Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Well, good morning. It's nice to have you guys with us. Let me check the temperature outside. It is a toasty 79 degrees. Remember yesterday morning, 72? That was quite a quite a bit of a difference. Mm. This morning, we're kind of starting off hot a little bit, but we are getting that time of year where it's going to get dropping down in the morning to 70, and then freezing, freezing cold 60s, you know, <laughs> for us pretty soon. Sorry, you guys that are <laughs> dropping in the 30s already or thereabouts. I remember this time of year in New Mexico, getting up, going to school, or going to work, uh, getting kind of cold, pretty cold. I definitely remember that in the morning. Well, we will look over to this day in trivia real quick. Just perusing it before I got online. And I figured this one out myself because they have their own dad joke of the day here on this day trivia. October 14th. How much does pirate corn cost? Pirate corn. How much does it cost? <laughs> you know, I figured it out. A buccaneer. Um, oh, you know that. That deserves, that deserves one of those. Here's the quote of the day. Oscar Wilde. They have a very good quote. Some cause happiness wherever they go. Others, whenever they go. He should do a dad joke. That's an Oscar Wilde dad joke. First live transmission from space, October 14th, 1968. Apollo 7 astronauts send the first live television transmission from space, holding a sign reading, keep those cards and letters coming in, folks. And it's a black and white picture they show here of them in their space capsule. Not very clear picture either, but... At least it does. I mean, 1968, not bad. Mm, and just one more. I want to read this one in detail because it's you know concerns us in the in the church. It's so sad. This is the Puritans of Massachusetts ban Quakers and enact a fine for harboring them. Quakers entering their jurisdiction after banishment would lose one ear. For the second offense, they would lose the other ear. For the third offense, their tongue would be bored through with a hot iron. Four years later, they would make the second offense punishable by death. The Puritans were Protestant Christians who sought to purify the Church of England of Roman Catholic practices. The Quakers were Protestant Christian denomination began in 1650 in England. Now, question, why would Protestant Christians be persecuting other Protestant Christians? Now you have to go, go into their doctrine. And some of the Quaker doctrine was really wacky. Now, did that warrant burning a hole through their tongue and cutting the ears off? Absolutely not. You have to marvel at the fact that these Puritans left England because of religious persecution only to be the persecutors themselves when they didn't like what somebody believed. Different from them. And, you know, it's one of those scratching your heads things. 
going, don't, it's so plain. Don't, why couldn't you see what you're doing? But they were so sure that they were purifying the church that anything that would come over to the new world, I'm sure they thought, ah, this is the enemy. This is Satan trying to infiltrate the church. We have to stamp it out. And again, how big is your God? Um, we are, our struggle is not flesh and blood, right? We are to fight it in the spiritual sense. So today, thankfully, none of that continues on. Um, you know, we, we like, I like to think of the Puritans coming over and being such a great group of Christian believers and such, and they, we owe them much, but they had some flaws. They had some definite flaws. How you could do this to another believer. Well, I won't say the Quakers are believers. That would be a stretch. Um, and so, but just to do it to another human being when it was so unnecessary. What you do is you you ban you imprison them, or you get lead them out of town, but you don't you don't brutally torture them. Well, with that, we need a dad joke or two. Uh, study the Quakers if you want to know more about their their the the doctrine of them. It's I used to always eat their cereal, hot cereal in the morning with that smiley guy's face. And I always thought, oh, these guys are pretty cool. Um, they, had some, they had some very bad doctrine, just so you know. All right, let's move over to the bad dad jokes. What is the guitar player's favorite Italian food? <laughs> Stromboli. <laughs> I agree. It's my favorite food. <laughs> How does cereal pay its bills? Cereal, breakfast cereal, has it pay its bills? With checks. There you go. I said they were bad. They are bad dad jokes. We'll just kind of keep working our way through them. Let's go ahead and go to the reading for today. Jeremiah. Chapter 9 and 10, we are continuing on with the lament, Jeremiah's lament over Israel, over Judah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because everything God really sent him to do was to tell him, you're going down and it's not going to be pleasant. He does, does allow him to give them conditional prophecy that if they would repent they could avoid these things kind of like Nineveh but they don't they don't want it they don't want to listen so father let us receive the instruction from this that we know that we can also see the warnings in the bible of the areas and the times that we live in and we as nations become rebellious against you so we ask god you would move us to prayer move us to understanding what's going on in our days as we read what happened in the days of Israel with their rebellion. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1. Oh, that my head were waters and my ears a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the desert a wafer's lodging place, that I might leave my people and, and go from them. For all of them are adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. They bend their tongues like their bow. Lies and not truth prevail. 
in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Let everyone be on guard against his neighbor. They do not trust any brother, because every brother deals craftily. And every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. Everyone deceives his neighbor and does not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves committing iniquity. Your dwelling is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they refuse to know me, declares the Lord. Therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will refine them and assay them. For what else can I do? Because of the daughter of my people, their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceit. With his mouth one speaks peace to his neighbor, but inwardly he sets an ambush for them. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord? On a nation such as this, shall I not avenge myself? For the mountains I will take up weeping and wailing. And for the pastures of the wilderness, a dirge, because they are laid waste so that no one passes through, and the lowing of the cattle is not heard. Both the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field, they have gone, and I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a haunt of jackals, and I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without inhabitant. Who is the wise man that may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken, that he may declare it? Why is the land ruined, laid waste like a desert, so that no one passes through? The Lord said, Because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it, but have walked after the stubbornness of their heart, and after the bales, as their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will feed them, this people, with wormwood and give them poisoned water to drink. I will scatter them among the nations whom neither they nor their fathers have known. And I will send the sword after them until I have annihilated them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider and call for the mourning women that they may come and send for the wailing women that they may come. Let them make haste and take up a wailing for us, that our eyes may be that our eyes may shed tears and our eyelids flow with water, for a voice of wailing is heard from Zion. How are we ruined? We are to put to greed shame, for we have left the land because they have cast down our dwelling. Now hear the word of the Lord, O you women, and let your ear receive the word of his mouth. Teach your daughters wailing, and everyone her neighbor a dirge. For death has come up through our windows. It has entered our palaces to cut off the children from the streets. The young men from the town squares speak. Thus says the Lord, the corpses of men will fall like dung on an open field and like the sheaf after the reaper. But no one will gather them. For thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises 
loving kindness, justice and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised and yet uncircumcised. Egypt and Judah and Edom and the sons of Ammon and Moab and all those inhabiting the desert who clip the hair on their temples. For all the nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised of heart. Hear the word of the Lord, the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. For thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the nations. Do not be terrified by the signs of the heavens, although the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the peoples are delusion, because it is wood cut from the forest, the work of the hands of a craftsman with a cutting tool. They decorate it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails, with hammers, so that it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field, they are, and they cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them, for they can do no harm, nor can they do any good. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who would not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are altogether stupid and foolish in their discipline and delusion. Their idol is wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Uphaz. The work of a craftsman and of the hands of a goldsmith, violet and purple, are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens. And he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. And he makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from the storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. For his molten images are deceitful. And there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like these, for the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Pick up your bundle from the ground, you who dwell under siege. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I am slinging out the inhabitants of the land at this time, and will cause them distress, that they may be found. Woe is me because of my injury. My wound is incurable, but I said, truly, this is a sickness, and I must bear it. My tent is destroyed, and my ropes are broken. My songs have gone from me and are no more. There is no one to stretch out my tent again or to set up my curtains. For the shepherds have become stupid, and they have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered, and their flock is scattered. The sound of 
a report. Behold, it comes a great commotion of the land of the north to make the cities of Judah desolation, a haunt of jackals. I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. Correct me, O Lord, but with justice, not with your anger, or you will bring me to nothing. Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not know you and on the families that do not call your name, for they have devoured Jacob, they have devoured him and consumed him and have laid waste his habitation. Poor Judah. <laughs> Poor Judah and, and and Jeremiah, who's really trying to call out in the middle of all this for God's righteousness to be upon those that are innocent, but to judge the nations. Paul um, makes a kind of interesting comparison, I think, in chapter 9, when where he speaks of himself as as being nothing, not being worthy, as chapter nine describes, that you know, the the uh, the humility, the one who's to come before the Lord should come before Him in total humble humbleness and broken, saying, "I have nothing. There's nothing I have to offer you. Um, what am I?" And Paul, you know, I'm the least among the apostles, and I, he had basically saw himself as unworthy because God had touched him and saved him, and he didn't ever at one moment think that Jesus was Lord. It was an unnatural, it was a supernatural act of God's mercy and grace upon him. Jeremiah's kind of giving that same kind of hint that this is what the Lord desires, that we come before him broken and humbled, and but that God was, is going to judge the nations that will not bend their hearts and bend the knee. They're because they're so caught up in their idolatry here. They're they're carving these images. They're fastening them down, and they're bowing down to them. And it's sad because you cannot divorce everything this is saying from modern direct idol worship. And people get very upset about this when you make a comparison to this to any saint or or the Virgin where they carve it out of wood and they fasten it to a board and they pick it up and they carry it around and they, and they pray to it. It is the same. It is Veneration is the same as adoration when it is something you pray to and ask that idol to go for you to God or to grant you something. And, um, and you can see how, hurt, how cutting this was to the Israelites when he would say this, this was, this was painful because they did have their gods they bowed down to. They were very serious about it. This is why Jeremiah was so hated. And in fact, the king ends up th- uh, throwing him in prison. And he's, he tries to, wants to get rid of Jeremiah. He keeps telling Babylon's going to come and you need to surrender and, and not try and fight them. Because it's been decreed, you will be destroyed. And this really makes the king mad. And he tries to, of course, destroy him for that. Colossians chapter 2 now. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And for those who are in Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's 
mystery that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Interesting, we just read that on Wednesday night. I say this so that no one will delude you with a persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, for he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you as a prize for delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. And not holding fast to the head from which the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and the ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as, Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use, in accordance with the commandments of the teaching of men. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Did you get that? Everything that the religious zealot tries to do to prove to you how spiritual they are by beating themselves or having a strict diet, not eating meat on Friday, is not recognized by God and is destined to perish. If they're doing it as the means of of self-advancement in the religious pursuit of God, they God says, I don't recognize it. Of course, he's clearly speaking to the Jews at this time who were um, not partaking of all of these foods that had been prohibited by the law because that was now that was now what was 
What was not kosher is now kosher by Jesus Christ pronouncing it to be. But of course, also the Christians that were trying to be hyper-spiritual and not wanting to eat any of the meat sacrificed to idols, which is interesting because I could totally understand that. I could totally see myself falling into that. I don't want to have anything to do with that. That was offered to an idol. Maybe. They're going to the market. They don't know if it's offered to an idol or not. So just to be on the safe side, they don't do it. But what he's, he's um, probably, most likely, the people that were doing that were making a big deal out of it. Who were trying to let other people know that they were, they were so spiritual they wouldn't even eat the meat in the market. Because if you have a, just a conviction in your heart about it and you're doing it unto the Lord privately, I don't think the Lord would mind if you just go, Lord, I, I, I worship and I love you too much to even want to get anything around, anything near anything that might have been offered to another. I would think that in that sense he would probably honor it. But anything that we see today... You know, these parades where people are, are flailing themselves and beating themselves and um, very vocal about their diet. There's um, Jehovah Witnesses and different people that will let you know right off the bat that, you know, there's only certain food I can eat because I'm a religious person. When I was a Hindu, of course, we were vegetarian and we could only eat that and you didn't eat meat and you didn't eat that for your own spiritual um, advancement. And it was, um, other than just being perhaps more healthy for my body, it was not advancing me towards my uh, coming to know God in any way, shape, or form. So he says, don't judge any man by what they eat or they drink. So I have to repent of judging people who drink Coca-Cola <laughs> for breakfast and lunch and dinner, and that's the only thing they drink. Um, I guess I'm saying that jokingly because it's so, so bad for you. I only, I only judge them because I don't want to see them die of diabetes. Here in Mexico, that's you just see these little kids walking down the street with two-liter bottles of Coke, these massive things of Coke, and you know that that is going to be their their breakfast or their lunch along with some some uh, Cheetos or, or something else bad for them. But um, I guess we're just going to say, God bless you. <laughs> Enjoy it. The Bible says not to judge you for it. I think, though, in context, it's really in relation to judging them in re- in respects to if if they want to do it for some type of religious service or something. I don't know. God says, just just you. It kind of comes down to you. Just focus on what you're doing, and go en- and go enjoy a big steak, and go enjoy potatoes, and and enjoy whatever it is. But again, if we're going to get into drink. Now you're getting into testimony of it's related to alcohol. That's that is a whole other side you have to consider. And uh, yeah, you don't judge the person who has a drink, but you do want to help them have the best testimony before a, a lost and dying world and with people that have a problem with drinking. So there's there's a lot more to that question than is than we could just address right now. But keep that in mind. All right, Charles Spurgeon, if and a triple promise. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. St. Chronicles 7.14 Called by the name of the Lord, we are nevertheless erring men and women. What a mercy it is that God is ready to forgive. Whenever we sin, let us hasten to mercy, to the mercy seat of God. 
seeking pardon. We are to humble ourselves. Should we not humbly by the fact that after receiving so much love, we yet transgress? I'm sorry, you guys, if this is from yesterday. My iPod may not have updated, but if you'll permit me, I'll read it again because it's a really good one. O Lord, we bow before thee in the dust and in our own grievous ingratitude. O the infamy of sin. O the sevenfold infamy of it in persons so favored as we have been. Next, we are to pray for mercy, for cleansing, for deliverance from the power of sin. O Lord, hear us even now, and shut not out our cry. This, In this prayer, we are to seek the Lord's face. He has left us because of our faults, and we must entreat him to return. O Lord, look on us in thy Son, Jesus, and smile upon thy servants. With this must go our own turning from evil. God cannot turn to us unless we turn from sin. Then comes the triple promise of hearing pardon and healing. Our Father, grant us there at once from our Lord Jesus Christ's sake. So he does hear us, but we've got to turn away from our sin. The one thing that is so sad and frustrating for all of us, I'm sure, is when people come to you and they want help. And they want you see in them the desire. They want to know God. They want to become better, but they're caught up in a sin. And they're going, why is this happening? And why am I feeling this way? And I, you know, I, I, they sometimes are suicidal. And um, and you want to help them, but the only thing you can tell them, and this is so, so uh, repetitious. People on the street, people that even off the street, that come in and have addiction problems or just sin issues, and you go, unless you repent, unless you stop the sin, well. Not sure the Lord's going to hear. I mean, He wants to help, but uh, you can't say, "Lord, um, come in and change me and forgive me and and bless me," and not stop the sin. Got to do it now. If you need need to go into a rehab clinic to biologically get the body cleaned out, well, you got to do that. I knew a guy that told me, "I just I hate my life and I want to get my life right," and I. I, I I don't know why I keep failing. I don't know why this keeps going on. And I said, well, you have to come. You have to dry out. You have to get to a clinic where there'll be people around you that, that won't allow you to drink so you can dry out so you can come before God clean and sober and let him work in you. I said, you ready to go? You know, they'll come and pray for me, help me, Pastor. I said, you ready to go to the clinic? No, I don't want to go. Well, okay. See you next year. <laughs> when you come back with the same problem. So sad. Well, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless our day together. Father God, thank you for all those present. Thank you for everyone that is here. And um, God, for the just the beauty of um, being together. God, may you just bless our time. Give us, a, give us the sweetness of fellowship, God, that is so, so wonderful as we can travel around the world and find a place full of believers and know that we're home. Thank you for the new people that you're bringing into our, our city and our church that are moving down here for the strength of the, of the fellowship that we desire, God, to be an army, an army of love, so to speak, God, that just goes out and, and um, helps people, brings them in to the safe harbor, helps them, help them to heal, help them to... 
recover from being beaten up in the world and then help them to be reborn and grow and be strengthened. God, use us. Make all those who are listening, God, mighty warriors, ambassadors. Use this time to build them up so that they can then pour it out on people around them. Thank you for this time that we have together. And we pray for strengthening as we need it in these days when these wars are looming and these disasters. And God, we can imagine what the Europeans are going to be going through this winter without the heating and gas and gasoline and all the things that they need, which is going to cause riots, which is going to cause all kinds of things to go on, God. We pray against the globalists that are trying to break apart society and bring everybody under a global control. And we don't know how to pray right, God, but just guide us in that. As we see the days are approaching, we desire that you guide us and show us how to pray and then bring in the harvest, God. So we pray for Anna as she's continuing to get better. We pray, God, she's able to, to be able to go home today. Pray that she might be stable Pray for Juan Carlos and his, his stability, too, and his continued health through the radiation. For Karen Skoog, who's, um, I'm sure, just continuing on uh, in faith, just battling that out and, and maybe hopefully seeing a lot of improvement, as well as Celeste and Susie, Nabil, and um, so many, even Steve, and um, probably BH and Fine, and probably up north uh, with Hank and his wife. God, may you just continue to bless them, strengthen them, and uh, bless us, God, as we grow in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We will continue this tomorrow and work our way through. Keep looking up. Bye-bye.